Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Joining me once again, Richie Schneiderite. Richie, I'm not even going to ask for good news next time because it seems to be uh, something we're just not going to see again for a while. We have another transfer in, uh, another impact player transfer in, in my eyes. Uh, Raquan O'Neal, who has been a multi-year starter at Rutgers. I think this is his seventh, or sorry, his fifth year uh, with the program upcoming. He has announced he is entering the transfer portal. He was the starting left tackle last year. He had the highest grade on PFF of all our offensive linemen. Uh, it sounded like he was going to be asked to be moved inside following the transfer of uh, J.D. Dorenzo and Willie Tyler into the program. Richie, what are you hearing on this? And does it sound like he just didn't want to move inside? Um, yeah, that, that plays a role in it. And on top of it, when you get a new coach, you're always going to see this. They're always going to want their guys at the end of the day. They're not going to want to, like, I shouldn't say leftover because there are some good players. Like O'Neill's a good player. Melton's a good player. And you're always going to have some studs among that group, but you're always also going to want to get your guys in the fold, guys you recruited, whether that be via the portal or the high school route. But, um, yeah, again, it's just like the Elijah Clark transfer. There's no sugarcoating this. It's a bad loss. Uh, 31 games at Rutgers over four years. One year was a redshirt year, so whatever, 28, 27, whatever it is. Um, I think he started 22 games at Rutgers. He was all honorable mention, all Big Ten honorable mention this past season. I think he was the same in 2020. Um. Yeah, I mean, he, he was their best, graded their best pass blocker on PFF. He, had, he was the only one that was in the 80s. Um, he, he does have a little bit of an injury history, and I'm sure that probably played a little bit of a role of wanting to move him inside. Um, he has missed some, some time, whether that be this season or I think it was the 2019 season, I believe he started. I missed a couple. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's not a good loss. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a scholarship crunch too, so you're going to have to get down on the numbers. It looks like, based on our count, they're sitting at 92. Whether uh, you count, uh, I guess you get an extra seven scholarships according to the new NCAA rules. If seven people transfer out, which I think they're well over that, I think they're at eight or nine transfers out or something like that, maybe 10 at this point. But uh, regardless, O'Neill's a tough loss. I think we both talked about it off air. I think he ends up going down south to SEC. Wouldn't shock me if he went back home to South Carolina. Um, He was very, very close to doing that in his recruitment, but – Arguably, this was Chris Ash's arguably his biggest recruit or biggest um, biggest get in his tenure at Rutgers. He beat out the multiple SEC schools, ACC schools. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a very good get at the time, and he produced a little bit. I don't know if he necessarily lived up to the hype behind all the offers, but very good player. And as we know with the portal, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see where he lands because he's gonna get a ton of offers. I agree. Definitely get a ton of offers. He'll be playing probably in the SEC next year, probably starting. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up back at home, if he wants to return to, because I know, like you said, South Carolina was the runner up in this one. Um, there was some concern about the, and I'll say this because we've kind of mentioned the term dog a lot when we've been talking about the o- offensive line transfers. There was a question of how much dog he had in him in terms of yeah. his just you know, willingness to, you know, block through the whistle and just be really aggressive because he got, he has all the physical tools. He was certainly the most athletic offensive lineman we had last year. So 
I mean, I do think it's a loss, but I don't think this is as big as a loss as Elijah Clark. I mean, he's only got one more year. We're bringing in four offensive linemen. We want him to change positions. Like he could have, you know, not been a great guard for all we know. He obviously would have been able to pull because he has shown his athleticism on the field. But uh, I do think this is a loss, but it might not be a massive loss. Yeah, um, like you said, he doesn't have that mean streak that you really want in an offensive lineman. And it's kind of ironic because last night I was just turning on TV and I was just watching, going through movies, saw the blind side. And I'm like, <laughs> perfect example. Like, he's just yeah. massive. He's a great offensive lineman. Just zero mean streak. And you kind of need that in college football now. In football in general, you got to be mean. You got to be able to punch that other guy in the chest and throw him back. But uh, Raekwon just never had that mean streak. If he had that Zach Vineski type of mean streak in his body and his technique, oh, my God, he, he might be one of the best offensive linemen in the country. But uh, he doesn't, and he lacks that, and it definitely hurts a little bit. But like you said, at the end of the day, it's not a huge loss. Willie Tyler's coming in with great experience in the Big 12 and looked pretty damn good against ACC teams down at ULM. Um, J.D. Dorenzo, mind you, he was at Sacred Heart, still looks very, very good. And he's one of the – I mean, those two both show a lot of that mean streak that you really want along that offensive line. Um, I actually have an article coming out next week, I think Monday morning, with uh, Sacred Heart assistant coach who's going to talk a little bit more about that mean streak and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a huge loss. You got two very good tackles coming in. You beat out some good programs for them. And end of the day, maybe the, the move to a guard wasn't even – wasn't wouldn't have worked out in the long run anyway. So, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. For sure. And uh, last night, it's funny because I texted you. I was like, I don't think they're done in the portal. And you're like, what do you mean? I was like, they just started following some kid who just entered tonight, some guy, Stephen Lasoya from uh, Middle Tennessee State, who was a tackle. I looked more into it and turn up. Yeah, they, they were definitely following him. Uh, he's gotten a handful of offers, but now this might make more sense because I think we've talked about this in the past where they have to report to the, whoever the person is who like over, like I think it's the, uh, I don't know what the role is named specifically, but you have to go to this person and say, Hey, I want to enter the portal and they help you start that process off. Yeah. So the coaches and the staff definitely get a head start on these mm-hmm. things. So if they know X player is going to leave, then they can start, you know, making preparations for that departure. So maybe that's what was happening last night. Um, I mean, it makes sense too, because Lasoya is like a guard. So it would kind of fit the need for guard now all of a sudden. Uh, I'm sure it's technically from what I know when they go to um, whatever, I like, I can't even remember the name either. They're admin or whatever the hell it is. Um, when they submit that paperwork, they get a two, I think it's like a two day notice before it's formally announced that they're in the portal. That's when obviously like the rivals portal account and all that stuff will go out and tweet it. But yeah, so Rutgers definitely knew this was coming and it makes a lot of sense that they're just sort of following that guy. Uh, Lasoya out of middle Tennessee. He's, he's a guard. He fits the need that they have now. And we'll just kind of wait and see. Um, it, it does make the depth chart a little more intriguing because now you got some options. You, you try to get another portal lineman. Probably that's probably the, number one scenario, but you do have some decent pieces. I think in Ireland Brown and Troy Rainey, I think that they prove themselves. I think that they have potential at least. And then uh, can a guy like Dunlap just kind of slide in there at left guard now? So there, there, there is some options. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, I do think they're going to reach out in portal. Number one, that's going to be priority. Number one. Yep, for sure. Um, so that's really all we kind of know on this one, guys. Uh, yeah. It's been a very strange few days. Yeah, it's been ten minutes since the the uh, <laughs> since the announcement was made. 
I'd imagine we're still going to continue to reach out for offensive linemen, given the, this news. Maybe this was part of the, the plan. Maybe he had like let them know almost immediately, like he mm. he's considering transferring. And because I'm sure that they were pretty transparent that they were going. I mean, you heard it in like the last press conference Greg gave this year that, you know, they have to get a lot better. They've gotten a little better, but they need to get a lot better to get to like Big Ten average on the offensive line. So the writing was clearly on the wall because Greg isn't very tight-lipped when it comes to this kind of stuff. So when he even says something like that, it speaks volumes as to their plans. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if more people transferred out. I don't know if, because the, the idea, if you're going to transfer now, you have to be pretty confident you'll actually land somewhere because, I mean, most schools have filled up already. Most schools are starting their spring semesters already. So it's very it's a very tight window if you transfer right now. So a guy who's at the bottom of our depth chart, you'll probably expect them to stick around through at least most of the spring because they'll get a, a more true idea of where they stand. And also they're probably not going to land anywhere right now. So what's the point? I think you lock your scholarship in if you wait until like this first day of school as well. I think that's how it works. Yeah. You, so uh, probably more transfers to come. Uh, I just saw that we were the first school to offer Willis McGahee's son today. Yeah. I Which is pretty that. wild. Sitting there, I'm like, I'm thinking, like, holy shit, I was playing Madden when I was like 10 years old with McGahee, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, they're offering his son. This yeah, I can remember all. watching him in college. Remember that awful, awful knee injury he had. I think he, I think he played at Rutgers one year too. Okay, I don't even remember to be honest. I can't. Yeah, I guess he did probably. Um, yeah, going back to the lineman though, like, just you, you're bringing in six for a reason. You're bringing in four transfers for. You're bringing in ten linemen or what? What seven recruits? I forget. Six or seven. Uh, we got seven um, high school kids and we got four transfer portal guys. So 11 right. linemen. You probably want to be at like at most 20 offensive linemen uh, scholarships, if not less. So, I mean, I think they're at 27 guys. So yeah, uh, if you include all the, the, the people coming in, mm-hmm. this is a uh, one seat next to this here. Yeah. Now that's what I was going to say. Now people think there's going to be like a super mass exodus along the offensive line. I think you'll probably lose at least three more probably i don't know how much further it goes past that because now it gets interesting because you still need bodies at the end of the day but i, I could see people people leaving elsewhere in order to just get down to that 85 number but technically i guess you could stay at 92 because of the new scholarship rule uh mm-hmm. i don't know if that's for just this season or if that's for seasons beyond this i don't know the ncaa changes are mine like i change underwear like once a week i know the ncaa just they get pressured into making these decisions and then like they have no planning behind them. It's sort of like the NIL, the the COVID year. It's just like, well, yeah, you guys figure it out. Well, that's so. the thing. Like a guy like Rayquan O'Neal technically has two more seasons left. If you want to yep. get into it and it's like, what the fuck? The kid's been here since 2018. I know. So it does make sense, I guess a little bit, but that they have some good pieces coming in. So I, I don't really think there should be any worry. Um, I think a new offensive line, in general, like from left tackle to right tackle is probably a good thing, considering none of the yep. offensive linemen last year were really producing much. Uh, you can argue O'Neal was good, but it was he was the best of a bad bunch. So it's like you're only as good as your unit as a whole. So it's going to be interesting to see these guys gel and how they uh, how much they gel as a group, I guess, in spring especially. So yep, go from there and then uh, see what happens. I do want to talk basketball real quick. We had a game right. last night for Iowa. Huge win for the for the uh, program. Huge win for our uh, March chances. Uh, one of the ugliest games we've ever seen on both oh. sides. 
we obviously played fantastic defense. I don't think I've ever seen that many shot clock violations in a Rutgers game before. Like exactly. Iowa was flustered. I don't know if it was the crowd. I don't know if it was how good the defense was playing. I think it was probably a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But Cliff probably played his best game defensively since he's been at Rutgers. Um, we just – we cannot finish around the rim, man. We have missed so many easy shots. I think at one point we were three for ten in layups last night at halftime. Richie, what did you see out of uh, the basketball team last night? What is encouraging you? What's discouraging you moving forward? Best ugly win I've ever seen. It's kind of ironic because right before this, I, I wasn't going to post anything about it just because it was just like a little nonchalant like talk I had between uh, me and a director of an AAU program locally. And he's like, man, I watched that game last night. And I'm like, yeah, what did you think? He goes, those rims are stiff as shit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, yeah it's, that's, that's part of the, uh, the atmosphere. You know, it's like an aesthetic kind of. He's like, no, seriously, like, I can guarantee you, you put Iowa in any other gym, they are not shooting that bad. I'm like, eh, whatever. I, I, I get it a little bit, but that was a poor performance on Iowa. Was the rim get wider at other arenas? They were airballing stuff uh, left yeah. to right. <laughs> the argument was, he's like, I've been in the rack, I've been in their practice facility, and it's just, you can't even, like, come close to being the same, the same rims. Like, the rims are just stiff. He said something about a He's convinced that they're like a little bit higher in there too, which is just kind of funny. Who is this? Sorry, I, I missed the first part. Just uh, somebody. That, uh, who is this? Yeah, who said this? Oh, he's a director of an AAU program, a local. AAU. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I wasn't asking you for a name. I just didn't hear. No, the no, no, good. Uh, yeah, no, he was just kind of telling me, and I just I started laughing. I was just like, yeah, no, dude, you could tell they're like a little stiff, but it's like it doesn't make a huge difference, I guess. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. If you're not swishing it, yeah, I guess, but whatever. Besides the point, um, Cliff, if he had any type of feel around the rim, could be oh such a – he'd be in the NBA next year. Yeah. But he has like, zero feel, and he gets an offensive rebound, and it's like, boom. And it's like – He rushes everything, man. Like, he, he'll – I mean, how many times have you, have you seen this this season where he misses a shot, gets a really athletic rebound, misses the shot, gets his own offensive rebound a second time, goes up for the third putback, misses that. Like, I can't imagine there's a guy in the NCAA who has had more missed putbacks than him. Yeah, it's it's actually I wish I could find that stat. Actually, I'm gonna have to do a little digging on that one because that's <laughs> he might be leading that category. <laughs> Holy shit, it's it's rough to watch. And I'm like, dude, you could be so fucking good if you just like just do a pump fake for one and then go up. Yeah. Like, oh, and he's so athletic. He's, he's there was one play I don't know who it was in transition, but like Quiff didn't even have the ball and his strides, his speed. I'm like, holy shit. Like if this kid could just put it together offensively, it's a first round pick. Yeah. He gets from like half court to the paint in like three and a half steps. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, but um, interesting game though. Um, I don't think anyone pegged this either team to shoot this poor um, 20% yep. from the field or 27% from the field wild for this Iowa team. That's averaging what like, they're averaging like 86 points a game this year. Like, yeah, this was, I, I, I've read so many stats about how dominant of a defensive performance this was from Rutgers. I think it was like literally like the best game they've played against big 10 competition in terms of uh, allowed shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. One thing I did notice that I can't remember being an issue the rest of the season was a lot of cramping last night. I don't know if you noticed that like cliff went down hard. Look at that looked like a bad injury, but when you, I don't know if you saw it at the, at the, like at the rack itself, but his leg just like, stiffened out like you could tell it was a cramp yeah. right away which was thankful and then paul had cramps over and like bend his foot real quick to stretch it out and i'm like holy shit like dude that was that was pretty aggressive number one i was just like what? yeah makes sense and then paul within like what 10 seconds later yeah yep he they like gave him some kind of like it was some kind of like 
like packet of food or something like an electrolyte cartridge and he just like sucked that down drank some water and then he used the the massage gun on him like right away it was like that gatorade bottle he literally just grabbed he's like like, it it was like a nascar pit crew getting him back together (laughs) yeah it it was wild their entire bench didn't score point which was crazy too i don't think they'll see this iowa team shoot this bad ever again and yes credit to Rutgers; they did do pretty well defensively um they got the offense, man. Though they got to fix that. It, it's bad. If Ron's not like other than Ron, like no one scored double digits. Everyone else pretty much struggled. Three of ten, three of nine, two of nine, zero of three, zero of seven. Andre Hyatt, just stop shooting, please. Like, um, yeah. G- Geo's embraced a little bit more of a point guard role last night, which was nice to see. He kind of knew yep. he didn't have it, but he he still got his his shots from here here and there. Uh, he had that one little nice uh, driving layup. Um, I forget when that was second half, early second half, late to mid second half, something like that, whatever it was. Yep. Um, the, the minutes distribution, it's basically, looks like Tom Thibodeau's the coach. I know that's another thing I was going to, going to talk to you about. They, they continue with the, the tight rotation. Uh, I want to say it was probably only like seven players deep. Reber stepped in nicely a couple times when Cliff was out. Uh, Reber's just so much better of a passer than, than, uh, Cliff is. There was a beautiful pass he had. He was at the top of the key. Ron. Uh, Ron was posted up against uh, Keegan at like the the elbow, mm-hmm. and he just was able to get like an easy uh, dunk, or was Ron it a layup or a dunk? Like, perfectly, like it was like the perfect yep. seal, perfect lay-in, everything. If you could do that every time, I mean, you use your body. Like you have the body, Ron, to outman some of these dudes. Uh, you should be able to push most of them. But yeah, Reber, Reber had a solid game. I still don't think he's the answer to the backup big issue. I think he's a solid rotational guy but I still think they need to go out and pursue a legitimate five behind cliff. Um, I yep. think um, Reber can give you a couple minutes here and there, whether that be at the five at times, or maybe even at the four, cause he's a little undersized, I think, but um, he's not going to be able to back down anyone, but he does, he does hustle. And I give him that. I give him a lot of props for that. Um, Oscar shouldn't see the court anymore. Moat mag. Um, I think I honestly think, and from what I've been told, he's very scared to play his own game of basketball where he's running like out hustling everybody because he's afraid to lose any more teeth. It's it's injuries. Apparently it's like, it's almost like nerve damage with your teeth. It is nerves. So it's like, it's, I heard he's very cautious with it now and he's very nervous about doing it again. Has he just gotten a couple of really unlucky elbows or something like that? Elbows. um, He he died. He threw, you see him, how he throws his body in the, the court and everywhere. Um, and this started before Rutgers, obviously, too. So it's not just at Rutgers. Like, so I heard he's like kind of nervous and that that hinders him a little bit. Um, Andre Is he a mouth guard? I don't know if he does, to be honest. He probably should if he does. Because I know they're a pain in the ass. Like, it's hard to talk in them. Like, you have to take them out sometimes, like, for people to understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. plenty of guys do it. Like, like Steph's probably the most famous version of it. He's always fucking chewing on that thing. Oh, yeah. So. A G is basically useless. Yep. Um, I was surprised he made that one layup he had. It was like a similar move to what we were talking about before with Ron. He was able to like yeah. basically do this like, uh, like, like side screen thing and just get wide open. It was like a shot that bounced off the rim like four times. I was like, oh wow, Ag made a layup. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this is a great win. I'm not gonna like yep. knock it. Looking towards the future, Geo's got to be better. He sh- hasn't shot over thirty percent in the past five four games since the Michigan game. Um, Andre Hyatt has just been god awful on offense and he hasn't done much really. I think he's averaging like five points a game on the year. And that was a transfer that everyone thought was going to come in and be a top three scorer. 
And the thing is, like, I hate to say it, but it seems like there's a scorer on the bench that they're not using still. Yeah, I think that's, you know, we keep bringing it up. I think that's just a, a doghouse thing. I, we don't know what goes on at practice. We don't know what the communication style is like there. Unfortunately, this has a feel like he's probably not going to be here next year. If they, um, if they want him to be here, they got to, like, play him a little bit. Like, and he honestly, who's your main scorer next season? If Caleb doesn't return, uh, he is currently playing for a different school. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Or he's at the very end of your bench. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because there is some secret transfer we have lined up. It just oh. means that Pike is going to have to hit the portal hard next, next off season. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Cause like even the two guys you have coming in, they're not certified scorers, like by any means, like Derek Simpson's a very good guard. Can he yep. score? Yes. Can, is he kind of geo Baker? Like, yes, but even Geo Baker probably on a very, very good – like, Ron needs another option, too. That's what kind of sucks. And yep. when Geo's not there, they struggle. Um, last night, obviously, it was a little bit different. Ron obviously had a great game. Uh, overall, like, the other team just couldn't make a basket either. So that was quite a factor. But I'm intrigued to see if this game even – and on top of that, this game's Saturday. Are they even going to play? Well, yeah. So Minnesota, if, in case anybody doesn't know, Minnesota was scheduled to play Penn State, I believe, this week. Yeah. And that game got postponed because Minnesota has a COVID outbreak in the basketball program. They haven't made any announcement officially about the game Saturday. I'd imagine they have to make it probably by tomorrow because I usually what happens with the team is that they leave the previous day, assuming there's no scheduling conflict, stay the night, play the game the following day and leave that night. So that's what I imagine the schedule is. And I can't imagine them getting on a plane Friday before they hear news if the game's going to happen or not so yeah and i mean if you the crazy part is is you only need seven scholarship players if you have seven scholarship players they're, you're playing yep which would mean we're gonna beat on those uh gopher buns if they only have seven guys playing uh, yeah, it's already go sneak this one real quick like it's not yeah they're one in five in conference but they're still a pretty solid gophers team like and their, their five losses are illinois indiana minnesota michigan state iowa and Michigan State again. So it's yep. not – they're a very good team. Like, you could go s- sneak this win real quick. I don't know where it is quadrant-wise, I would think. Probably. I think it's currently a quad two and win. Whatever. Or it would it's be still, a quad two win. You just got to rack up wins at this point if you're Rutgers. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. This is a – it was an interesting game, a good win, good defense, bad offense on both sides, and something's got to turn around with that offense if they want to keep winning games because you are not holding – teams to 46 points every day of the week they're most certainly not going to be able to do that but the schedule as we've already alluded to it really shapes up nicely over the next two three weeks for Rutgers before they start that brutal stretch there's a clear path for Rutgers to get to nine and two in conference before they have a big time game at the rack on a Saturday time yet to be announced which means it could be a pretty big national game if if we look attractive enough against Michigan State Honestly, if we go nine and two, that'll put us at 15 and six. That's right on the, the, the brink of being ranked. Yeah. If they can win one, two, three. Yeah. I, I see four games. Like you can't really afford to lose. You can, you can lose one of these, but Minnesota three of the four on, on the road. Where's that quadrant? What's that quadrant looks like? They have a. Uh... Um, I think, isn't that net? Isn't the quadrants have to do with the net rankings? Yeah, it has to do with the net ranking, but they have like a legitimate like website for it too. And if like you click a team, it'll give you like every quadrant win and stuff. 
Okay. Um, Danny Breslau always posted it. I just can't think of the name of it, but uh, either or, I mean, they're, they're going to have to win these games. Northwestern, you can't lose. Uh, Nebraska again, right? Where is it? Yeah, so uh, it's Minnesota, at Minnesota, Maryland. Maryland, at Nebraska, and then at Northwestern. Northwestern's clearly the best team of that group, at least right now, because basketball is so streaky. Um, yeah. I would say right now they're the best team of that group. Nebraska's um, bad. They're, really, they're bad. They're they're they they're winless in conference. They're, we're facing the four worst teams in the conference by record for the next four games. So these are games that we really need for the for the the stretch run. Yeah, you got to win win at least three of these, and then go into that big gauntlet and try to sneak sneak one or two, and then kind of go yep. from there. And maybe you might have to win a Big Ten tournament game too. On top of that, because this year is not a great year for the Big Ten, and, and I think. Uh, Whoever just put out their bracket, Lenardi or someone, it only had six or seven Big Ten teams. So as long, you got to stay in that top ten group or top eight group at least to get to have a chance. So the good thing is, so that that follow that stretch that we're talking about, it's a stretch of seven games where six of those opponents are ranked. Of those six opponents, we do play four of them at home. So I mean, Rack Magic is always in in play there. I'd imagine we'd probably Green. win two of those games. The rims. It's all about it's the, the rims. Rim. Yep. It's it's the rims slash the, the the hoagies that get served in the arena now. Um, so I'm I mean I'm pretty excited about this basketball team. I mean it's an ugly brand of basketball we're playing. It's an unpredictable brand of basketball we're playing. But I mean we're doing pretty well. We've won six of the last seven games. Most of those in conference. I yeah you gotta you gotta keep it up can't let this uh, momentum go behind you and you just got to keep riding that high and just kind of turn it into more wins. It's uh, not going to win pretty. I think that's pretty clear, but if you can win ugly, a win's a win. Yep. So guys, we appreciate you tuning in again. Um, I'm not even going to say anything about the next podcast. Whatever happens, happens. Let the universe decide it. But we appreciate you guys tuning in. It's going to be a good one. I can feel it's it. going to be a good one. Regardless, content's going to be great. Richie, you got anything else for him? Uh, no, big visitor weekend, sort of, kind of for our football. Um, I got a post on DJ Samuels coming up in the next hour or so, whenever I get enough momentum or enough momentum to write it. <laughs> there you go. Being lazy right now, but, uh, yeah, I'm about to write that up. Uh, Sacred Heart assistant coach talking, uh, Tampa Bay high school coach talking about Harris Simiak. I think I went over that one already. And then, um, uh, this Saturday official visits, Steve Stolanos, Lafayette transfer, and then a bunch of PWO guys. There's one that's like six foot eight, 330, 320, something like that. So keep an eye out on that. Wouldn't be surprised if Rutgers landed a PWO or two this weekend. We'll see what happens. Awesome. Yeah, he was at the game yesterday, right? Uh, the two Bergen kids were, at least Sadir Mitchell. Sadir yeah. and uh, DJ. I know um, Patty talked to Sadir. I don't know when that's coming, probably today, tomorrow. I'm trying to space some stuff out. But, uh, yeah, they both liked it a lot. Um, they were both uh, hanging out with their former head coach, Nuns Campanelli, uh, brother nice. of Bergen Catholic. Head coach Vito Campanelli. Um, they're both very good prospects, both top 10 kids in state. Um, I don't know how it's going to fare in the end. I know with Watson there, they have a very, very good shot at both now. He's been talking to both of them since his Ole Miss days. He was one of their first offers at uh, out of high school at down at Ole Miss. Having him on board gives Rutgers a legitimate shot with Sadir. I think they've always had a pretty good shot with DJ, but now you have a shot at both of them and if you can create a little bit, it doesn't even have to be a full pipeline, a little bit of a Bergen Catholic, the Rutgers pipeline. And then that's, that's just a start. 
So the interesting thing about both those guys is they both have like very extreme uh, frames and, and body types where like Sadir is like, you know, if we were playing football 15 years ago, he'd be like the ideal nose tackle, like for a three, four defense. But now that defenses are so fluid and not like locked into like a specific play style, like he does have like a tweener lead, but he might be too big for defense tackle, but he's not athletic enough for defensive end. Like, you really have to – it's like the eye of the beholder on him. Same yeah. thing with DJ Samuels. He's just a little too short. Like, if he was 6'2", he'd probably have, you know, schools beating do- down the door of him, but he's six foot even probably. Yeah, that definitely hurts his recruitment. Sadir might be the, one of the fastest 300-pound people I've ever seen in my entire life. He's quick on his feet. He just – he needs to learn a little bit more technique-wise. Um, he, he's going to get that with uh, one of his D-line trainers, Leroy Thompson. They're working out all the time in the offseason. I'm actually supposed to go watch one of their workouts soon. Uh, I'll post that on the board and videos and all that stuff, that good stuff. But he he's going to be so fucking good, man. He's I love Sadir's yeah. potential. Yeah, I'm pretty like excited for him. Julius Turner type, just a lot bigger. <laughs> imagine Rutgers with a massive defense tackle that they – A massive cock nose. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. I, I should have known that was coming. I didn't think about that. Had to do it. Yeah, that's all I got. I think that's all the scoop we got right now. There's a bunch of stuff on the boards, too, obviously. Craig and, uh, Craig and Chris actually ran their own little podcast this morning covering the hoops game. So, oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, so they got – if you want more extended coverage on that, go check that out on YouTube or our front page or something, the board. But, all right, guys. Well, once again, we appreciate you for tuning in. This is another episode of Signing. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.